Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Matthew chapter 16. Would you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16? And as you're turning there, I want to take some time and and, uh, just have you understand a couple things. well, in the scripture we're about to read, you're going to find out two phrases that we're going to talk about. And this is a message that's just burning in my heart last night. It was something all week that something I've been preparing, something I've been wanting to share for a while. And I just felt that this week was that opportunity to share. I'm not going to preach on Palm Sunday. I'm going to kind of calibrate this church, talk to the family about what a church is all about. And I want to, I want to talk to you. This is going to probably turn into a series. I meant for it to be one message But in the first service, I only got to point number two of a four-point message. And so we're just going to go as far as we can. I won't keep you here long. But I do want you to understand something. That when Jesus is talking to the disciples and in having a conversation with them, he asks them, who do people say that I am? And and one of the disciples raises his hand and says, one says, John. they say you're John the Baptist. Someone else raises their hand and says, some say you're Elijah. Someone else says, some say you're one of the prophets. And they're they're beginning to give opinions on what everyone is saying. How how many of you know that there's some people out there that have opinions of who you are? And that that people sometimes talk about us and they give us identities that really aren't what God intended you to be known as. Some of you have allowed your parents to identify you. You've allowed your ex-wife or ex-husband to identify you. You've allowed the people that that hated you to place a label upon you. And you've been labeled by a a group of people. There's a label. What do people think about you? And Jesus asked that question. What do people think about me? And they begin to give answers. And then Jesus stops and says, "Now, now, now, wait a minute. I really don't give a rip about what other people say. No, it's not in the Bible. I'm just saying my, my version, okay? That, that Jesus stops and says, now, what do you say about me? Not, not concerned about what everyone else is saying. Who do you say I am? And this morning, it doesn't matter whether your co-workers think that Jesus was a good man or whether your family thinks that he was a prophet or whether uh, people around your, your, your relatives think that he was a teacher or a healer. Who is Jesus to you? And he asked the disciples, who am I to you? And Peter responds. So Peter was always a spokesman, stands up and says this. Simon Peter answered in verse 16, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Somebody say amen. amen. And notice what Jesus replies to him. Peter's confession opens up blessing. Jesus responds to him. Jesus replied, you are blessed. When you get a revelation of who God is, blessing opens up to you. I need you to understand, you don't have to pray for an open heaven. You are an open heaven. Say it again, Pastor. You didn't have a clue what that meant. What's an open heaven? The Bible says that when we pray, pray therefore in this manner, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. An open heaven is where we pray that the will of God that's going on in heaven be released here on earth. That an open heaven is where healings are manifested. An open heaven is when you're broke, all of a sudden finances show up. An open heaven is when you're struggling with depression and all of a sudden we've seen what depression can do to people in this tragedy that took place recently in the airplane crash. I need you to know that depression is not God's will for you. 
That's not God's plan. And so Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. In other words, there's some lessons you, don't, you aren't taught, they're caught. There's some things you are not taught, there's some things that have to be caught. I'll explain that in a moment, okay? It says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And everyone say, my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Do you understand that God is building something that hell has no chance against? Oh, come on, somebody. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. kingdom. Of heaven, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. In other words, things start on earth, not in heaven. The declaration starts here and is then released in heaven. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice a couple things, just kind of uh, some statements I want to throw out there. First of all, Jesus talks about building a church. Everyone say church. And then he talks about building, also establishing the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. The church is ecclesia, the Greek word ecclesia, which means called out ones. The word basilia is, uh, or the word kingdom is basilia, which means sovereign power, royalty, and rulership. And so I want you to understand there are two different, two different things, yet they all accomplish the same purpose. I'm taking you somewhere, okay? So the church is the bride of Christ. Someone say bride. bride. How many of you know that God, that God is a good husband? How many of you would consider a man to be a good husband that if he lived in a beautiful house while his wife lived in a shack? That the husband drove around in a Lexus while his wife drove around in a 78 Pinto. That the husband would eat at Ruth's Chris while the wife had to go to the food bank. How many would say that that's a good husband? If we are the bride of Christ, the church, then when we live in a manner that is not equal to the way that the groom wants us to, That how we live is a reflection of the goodness of the groom. So when we struggle financially because of bad choices, when we struggle with depression because of the people that we, that we associate with, when we struggle at times with addictions, it makes it look like we have a bad husband. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Let, let me... Turn this around on, on the other side. We talk about the church. Everyone say church. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he was speaking to Peter. Peter comes up with this confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. He wasn't telling Peter, listen, man, I'm going to build the church on you. He was saying this, 
Peter, upon your confession, upon your revelation that I am the Christ, I am the Son of the living God, upon that confession, I'm going to establish the church based off that confession. And so when Peter said, I heard Jesus say, I will build my church, I'm taking you somewhere, he says, I will build my church. Peter, when he said church, he was thinking something totally different than what we think of today. When I say church to you, what do you think of? Building. What else? Family? Okay, cool. You're part of CWC when you say family. That's good. What's that? Religion. There you go. Good. What, what was that? Myself. Okay. Worship. Did someone say worship? People. Good. Pastor, we think about, usually we think about coming to a place and I'm going to, I'm going to church service. I'm going to the church. And the church was a building. It was a place to us. So when we read this, we think Jesus is establishing a building, a church, a religion, that God is building these things. But I need you to understand that in those days, the word church was a Roman institution. And in every city you had a church. But the church was not a religious organization. It was a civil organization. It was a governmental organization. They were made up of the influencers. They were made up of the financial influencers. They were made up of the, the, the people that had the, the, the mind, the ability to fix problems, and, and the wisdom and the ability of influence. So when we talk about a church, Jesus talked about a church. He says, listen, the Romans have a church, but I'm going to build a church, and my church is going to be different. I'm building a church too, Peter. I'm building a church of influencers. I'm building a church of problem solvers. I'm building a church of people that will change the cultural architecting of society. We think of church as a service. When Jesus says, I will build my church, Ecclesia talks about called out ones. Whenever there was a problem in society, they called the church together. And so all the influencers came into the city square. And then the problem was shared, and the church fixed it. They came up with a plan to take care of it. Church services, when we have church services, what we end up doing, we end up just lowering what we were called to. When you just come to church just to get through the week, you've lowered what you were called to. When you come just to lay down your burden and walk out the same way, we have reduced what you were called to. Because the church was created to be the influencers. Jesus says, the, the, the world has a church. Well, I'm building a church too, Peter. And every one of them understood that. Instead of using a religious term, Jesus used a civil one. I don't know if you're catching this. But the church is also called the bride of Christ. How many know that any good husband defends his, his wife? Dang, girl, just let it go, Sister Sandra. How many know that any good husband's going to protect his bride? 
And yet, what do you think? Do you think that God is a good husband, that Jesus is a good husband? You guys are like, this is a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> Be careful what you say about the bride of Christ. Be careful what you say about the church. Well, you know, that church is just this. Well, you know what? That church is just that. That church, all they want is this. That church, all they want is that. Those people are so hypocritical. Whenever you speak about the church, you are speaking about the bride of Christ. And my God is a good God. He's a good husband. And he will protect his bride. So you got to be careful the words that you speak. Now, I understand that some of you have been mistreated. Some of you have been abused. The church has let you down. But you got to be careful that it's man that's let you down, not the church. Because the church isn't a person. One person. The bride of Christ is a wholeness. You are part of the church. And I need you to understand, you got to be careful how you treat the church. you got to be careful not to neglect the church. The Bible says when we don't show up, when we come in once a month, once a year, you know, the CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. And we're excited next Sunday we're going to see the Easter only people. It's going to be a great, we're going we're to celebrate them. Not going to put them down. We're going to celebrate them. But for those of you that know God, that that are, that are part of the body of Christ, you are the bride of Christ, and you're only coming to see Him once. I'm taking you somewhere. The church is Jesus' priority. He died for the church. Well, Pastor, He died for me. Yeah, He died for you. But you're part of the church, and it was the church He died for, not the ministry. And I love the ministries that make up the church, but Jesus didn't die for the ministry. He died for the church. And if Jesus prioritized the church, how much more should you and I prioritize it as well? Some of you are having a hard time with that. Well, no, Pastor, I serve God in my own way. Jesus said he's coming back for a church. Without spot or wrinkle. And if we don't start prioritizing the church, Jesus says, I will build my church. Now, I'm going to take you somewhere. I need you to understand that we, we got to understand that I serve God. God doesn't serve me. And too many times we've turned it around where we turn God into our genie in a bottle. And that we only rub the lamp whenever we need something from him. Not recognizing that I was created to have relationship with God. God wasn't created for me. And sometimes we turn this around and what's a trip is that God created you and I limitless. When he blew the breath of God into us, he created us limitless. And what have we done in return? We recreated him with limits. And we've created a God that we could understand. We created a God that we could explain. We created a God that we have the ability to contain. And then we pull him out whenever we need him. And we have God operate within this certain realm that we understand. And I've always said the moment that you understand God, you have created a God. God didn't create you. I don't know if you're catching this this morning. I want you to notice this. I'm, I'm going to, 
I, I got I to jump on this. Notice this. Jesus was going to build his church, and he was going to build it off these four things. And I know there's other things, but these are the foundations I want to start off with. Number one, with knowledge. Knowledge is vital. You have to know. It was the knowledge and the declaration that Peter gave. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, upon this declaration, I will build my church. Secondly, love. We got to have a church of love. And sometimes we think love is just allowing anything to go on anywhere. But how many parents know that you love your kids so you discipline them? That true love doesn't just let them do anything. It gives them boundaries and guidelines. And not one time, and we're going to go back to this, not one time do you see Jesus endorsing sin. He protected and loved the sinner, but he corrected the sin. And we've developed a society today that says, well, if you tell me the truth, you don't love me. Number three, commitment. And lastly, number four, giving. Don't worry, I'm not collecting an offering. Okay? Let's start with number one, knowledge. Look, look, look at this, what Jesus says. Simon, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from any human being. I want you to notice that knowledge brings blessing. Some of us, the only thing we remember is what we were taught in Sunday school. And we haven't learned anything else about God. We haven't experienced anything else about God. But listen, I'm not talking about just head knowledge here. Because to the Greek and to the Jew, it wasn't about head knowledge. You didn't know something if you didn't experience it. Today we say we know stuff, but we haven't experienced it. But to the Greek and to the Jew, to know something meant you experienced it. And so when Jesus talks to him, he says, Simon Peter, this knowledge is not just information. You heard something that was not taught. It was caught. You, you tell your kid, don't touch the stove. It's hot. What's the first thing they do? Why? Because there's certain things you can't teach them. Certain lessons have to be caught. Ow. What I tell you? Touch it again. Uh-uh. Touch it again. Go ahead. You were big and bad. You didn't obey me the first time. I told you not to touch it. You touched it anyhow. Touch it again. No. What is, what's happened here? They caught the lesson. You know what I'm saying? They, they caught it. I understand now. When I tell you not to do it, many of us, we don't learn until we catch the lesson. We have to go through it. And some of us keep touching the hot things and we keep burning. We're like, what's going on? Why does that hurt? And we keep on in that. You haven't caught, it hasn't been taught, caught yet. You haven't understood what the concept is. Knowledge is not just information. Knowing, Jesus, knowing who Jesus is is the key to building the church. That if we're going to build a church, we can't build it on charis charismatic. We can't build it on a personality. We can't build it on finances because you can have church without a building. You can have church without money. You can have church without, without music, but you can't have church without Jesus. We got churches where they're having service week after week and it's so organized that the spirit of God can't even show up. God's gone on vacation and we still have church. And we wouldn't even know if God showed up or not. You can't have church without Jesus. But I'm not talking about Jesus here. I'm talking about the Greek word for knowing is gnosko. Paul said that I may know God. 
in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That word gnosko is into the Greek, into the Jew meant this. It wasn't just head knowledge. It was heart knowledge as well. It wasn't something I read in a book. It was something I experienced. And many of us know God. We, we've said a prayer, but we've never had an encounter with God. And you can't build the church with just a head knowledge of who God is until you have the opportunity to experience God. In fact, that word gnosko takes it even farther. It's what the Jews would use as an idiom to be able to describe sexual relationships between a husband and wife. It's how a husband could look at his wife and say, I know her. I'm not telling you I read a book about her. Say it again, Pastor. I, I, didn't, I didn't study about her, read her birth certificate. I know her intimately. Because we, we've had, I, I, I know her not just from my head. I know her through experience. And many of us are trying to serve God through just a knowing of my head. We're trying to experience God by just what we've read in a book. But you've never felt the presence of God. You've never walked in the power of God. You've never experienced the healing. Never experienced a provision. Oh, somebody got to hear me. Because we're going through the motions. And we're having church. And all we're having is religion. We haven't experienced who God is. That we not know it. But that I know it. The disciples said, man, what we're telling you, we didn't read in a book. We handled it with our hands. We saw it with our eyes. You know the struggles you keep going through? You think God's trying to, is out to get you? He's out to introduce himself to you. Why am I going through these battles? Why am I always broke? I'm trying to show you that if you would rely on me and start giving to me, I'll show you that I'm Jehovah Jireh, that I'm the God that provides. I'm your source. If you would know me, then you'll know me. I don't panic when we go through financial crisis because I know him. I know him. I don't panic when my body's sick because... I know him, and I know him. I've experienced him. I'm here to tell you, folks, it's time to stop reading about him and start being about him. Right, let, let, me, let me break it down this way. He gets the information. Everyone say information. That information becomes revelation. And it's from that revelation that he now makes a declaration. Because the words you speak become the atmosphere you live in. 
And so there's many of us that we're reading in a book and we read the word in the Bible is just a book to you, but it hasn't come alive. The Bible says that Jesus is the living word. When I experience Jesus, Jesus is the embodiment, the encapsulation. He's the fullness of all the thoughts of God. And when I experience Jesus, I experience the mind of God, of what God thinks about healing, what God thinks about disease, what God thinks about marriage, what God thinks about people, what God thinks about sin. Because he's the embodiment of the thoughts of God. He's the word of God. He's still with me this morning. Now, I'm going to close in a moment, so stay with me. My question to you this morning is, do you know him? See, I want you to take a look at Peter's life. Peter's over here. He's hanging out with Jesus, and he sees Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He's like, Kills his mother-in-law, raises the mother-in-law up, and then she starts serving. He's like, that close, that close. Raises her up, and she starts, she starts serving and everything. All the men, let's, just, uh, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> my mother-in-law's great. She's great. She's awesome. She also lives in Colorado. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> Let's get back. Let's get back. So I want you to understand. He, he, he saw him heal, heal the mom. He saw him take fishes and loaves and what could feed maybe three people. He feeds 5,000. He saw him walk into where a little girl was dead and raise her back up again. He saw him spit in the mud and then in the dirt, make mud and then put it on the eyes of a blind man and tell him to go wash. And then the guy could see again. He saw him go over to leprous people, lay hands on them, and the leprosy be gone. And ears that were gone grow back. Noses that were gone come back again. He saw these things with his own eyes. And so when Jesus asked, he says, he couldn't respond. Who do you say I am? Well, Jesus, you're a great teacher. Well, Jesus, you're a healer. Jesus, you're a great prophet. And he was all those things. But Peter had known Jesus. He experienced him. He handled him. He saw it all. And he responded, you are not just a healer, not just a prophet, not just a teacher. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for, homie. We must increase in our capacity and our knowledge to know who Jesus is. Every morning I pray, God, increase my ability to know you. Increase my capacity to hold you. Expand my ability to know you, God. I want to know you deeper. I don't want to be a pastor that, just, that reads a book to try to get a message. I want to hear from the Spirit of God. You're not, I'm not going to preach to you the latest book I read. I'm going to preach to you what the Spirit of God has poured into me to declare to you. I need you to understand that what God was telling them is that when you have a new information of who God is, pray that information. Even as I'm preaching right now, God, give me a revelation of what PD is saying right now. Give me a revelation. Take that information. Let that information become alive. Let the word come in and let the spirit of God bring life to that word that has just been spoken. And now let it become a declaration that I can speak over my marriage, declare over my children, declare over my family. And I need you to understand, God never gave us power to control people. But he did give us power to control atmospheres. 
He gave us dominion over atmospheres, not people. And that's why I remember I shared with you about speaking to the dry bones. He spoke over the dry bones, not to them. Stop speaking at your spouse and start declaring to the atmosphere over them. Stop speaking at your kids and start declaring to the atmosphere over them. Stop speaking at your city and start declaring to the atmosphere over it. Amen. Somebody say amen. Okay, I got to close here. I apologize. Second thing I want you to know, and with this we close, it won't be long, is love. Everyone say love. A church without love makes no sense. A church without love is like a, is like, it's like a car without wheels. It, it's, it looks good, but it's not going anywhere. Love is the key. And everything Jesus did was based out of love, agape, unconditional love. But I need you to understand that nowhere in the Bible do you see Jesus overlooking people's sin. And in this day and age, we have come and we think that it's godly somehow to overlook sin. Jesus never did that. He loved everyone, but he dealt with the sin. But he always came down to where they were at. If it was a woman caught in adultery, the Bible says he stooped down next to her. He came to where she was. He lowered himself to where he can't bring her up because she's corrupt. So he has to go down to get her right. And that's the whole picture of what Jesus did for us. He left the throne of glory, came down to earth, and lowered himself to give himself to you and I. And after he covers her, he says, woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. True love is love enough to protect you while you're down. But then after you've been protected, loves you enough to correct you. See, churches, we don't want to hear that. We want to go to a place that we hear that in our sin, we're okay. That I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. Everyone's cool. We're cool. God's all right with you. We're right where you're at. Don't worry about your sin. Just deal with it. You just come drop off your burdens and your offering and everything will be okay. I don't read that in the Bible. After Jesus deals with the woman caught in adultery, he tells her, hey, baby girl, go and sin no more. Don't, don't do that again. Don't, don't live your life that way anymore. He loved him enough to take him to a higher level. We got to love people around us. We do it with our kids. Take them to a higher level. Somebody say amen. amen. Agape love is unconditional love. Jesus' love didn't lower the standard. His love provided a solution. And a love has to provide a solution, folks. I, I want you to understand this. Take the band. Where was the band at? If you guys can help me out right Right quick? You can wake up now, V. I'm just playing. You know, as, as Vivi comes up with the band, um, someone lost an earring. What a nice one. Someone. All guys, check your ears. Or your nose. So did any lady... Uh, These are real uh, stones. 
then it's mine. I have to reopen my ears. <clears throat> Back in the day, where's uh? I need my drummer. Uh, not you, Troy. Not you. We talked about that earlier. Just sit down. Is uh, oh, is Mike there? Okay, there he is. Come on, give Mike a hand. Yeah, Mike. We can't call ourselves a church without demonstrating love. We could operate in the gifts of healing and prophecy. We could cast out demons. We could be the church that is so powerful. But if we don't operate in love, the book of Corinthians says all we are is a sounding symbol, a crashing symbol. Now, I, I want you to notice this. Guys, play, play, play the song you did earlier. And li listen to Mike. Mike is bad. I love Mike. What a great drummer. He rarely smiles, but he's a great drummer. There it is. Smile, Mike. God just by that, that little melody. You have that melody that goes on. It just really sets up the presence of you could feel like God's getting ready to do something because everything is in order. But without love, it ends up like this. that that was good because <laughs> you're not loving that's what I was <laughs> when we operate in the gifts of the spirit without love we end up becoming obnoxious noisy and it all becomes about us look at me look at me watch this I got a word for you never mistake the gifts of the Spirit for maturity in the Spirit. The gifts are given freely. Fruits are grown. Fruits take time to mature. We, we, got, we got a lemon tree in our backyard that's beginning to grow, and every time lemons start, lemons start growing on it, we got a cane corso that every time he walks by the tree, he knocks him down off the, on the floor. And we end up with all the little beginning starting pieces of what would have been a lemon. Developing fruit is hard because it takes time for it to mature. A gift is given to you. I give you the gift, it's freely, freely given. I give it to you, it's yours. But the fruit has to be matured. It takes time. If you ever gotten mad and lost your patience, then you end up with the fruit falling off. I've had a lot of fruit loops in my life. I've dropped fruit like crazy. And I've realized this, that if I want to grow in my walk with God, I have to focus in on one fruit a year. 
I can't grow all fruit off one tree. I have to focus in on one area of my life and give myself to that one fruit that year and focus in on maturing in that area. And then once I feel like I'm doing well in that, I'll move on to the next fruit and start growing that. But then by the time I get to that last fruit, I got to go back for a refresher to the first fruit again because I'm hurting back on that tree again. I got fruit that's fallen. I need to relearn. Are you following me? As a church, before we have this car show this week, before we start walking on Good Friday, before we make a public declaration of who we believe in, how about we walk in love? Our unforgiveness is killing us. And we're all walking around with an offense. Somebody hurt somebody. Agape love is unconditional. I just love you. But you did this, I just, just love you. Only a parent can understand that. Because kids will do things to you that you just are, but you love them. I'm here to tell you something this morning. It was love that moved and motivated Jesus, that Christ demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I need you to understand that only a forgiven person can forgive. Only a forgiven person can understand giving forgiveness. You know what? You've been hurt by a church, by a pastor, by this church, by this pastor, by these pastors. Get in line. I'm serious. Get in line. It's going to happen. Well, something, something, we, you know, I preach 52 weeks a year. And there's going to be something that's going to be said that's going to offend one of you. So let me just say now, please forgive me for offending you sometime in the next few years. Because if you haven't been offended yet, stick around. <laughs> but what makes us a church, a family, we learn to forgive one another. And if this place that we're putting together, we're putting together brick by brick off of the confession of who Christ is, and every one of us are living stones in that building called the church, how strong of a brick are you? That when the pressures of life come, can you stand the pressures or will you crumble? And when you crumble, you end up affecting other bricks around you. We can't love if we haven't experienced love. And we can't have knowledge if we haven't come to know who Jesus is. Bow your heads with us. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.